The goal of Data Transformers podcast is to accelerate digital transformation by bridging the gap between business outcomes and rapidly advancing technologies. And we aim to bridge this gap by focusing on data. I am Peggy Sai, top 50 women in tech influencer, co-author of the AI book and data governance expert. I'm Ramesh Danta, an entrepreneur, a tech blogger, and AI enthusiast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to one more episode of the Data Transformers podcast. And today I am so excited and I cannot tell you how excited I am because one of my idols, mentors who I connected with on LinkedIn um, exchanged so many views and opinions. And actually, I wrote a song with, uh, with, uh, with his name in the song as well. And uh, so his name is Bill Schmarzo. You know him as the Dean of Big Data on LinkedIn. Um, if you're anywhere remotely connected to data science or any of this area, you would know Bill, right? Uh, and then if I were to introduce him with all the titles, I would be taking the entire podcast hour. But let me start off with a few things here. Number one, he's a top 10 worldwide data science influencers in multiple areas, big data, digital transformation, and uh, you know, uh, business intelligence. And he is the executive fellow at the University of San Francisco and honorary professor at NUI uh, uh, Galway and is an author and creator of Big Data MBA, a course that he created for San Francisco University. And then, so, and then he's doing lots of exciting things now. So Bill, welcome. Wow, my name is in a song. You got to share that. I, that, is, that is truly a first. I, I love that, Ramesh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, so actually, uh, remember that who started the fire uh, yes, uh, the song? Yes. So I was referring to who started the big data fire, and then in that fire, so I, uh, I said, "We all of you guys are influencers, and you're saying I didn't start the fire. The fire was already burning. We right. just poked it." Right. That's right. It's exactly right. I love that. That's great. Yeah. So welcome, Bill. So for the sake of audience, uh, just why didn't you tell us what you're doing right now? Um. So right now I'm, I'm, I'm in between jobs, which is actually probably the perfect time because I just released my fourth book and um, I'm spending a lot of time um, on podcasts and other areas trying to promote the book. And it's, you know, writing a book is a lot of work. Supporting the book after you've written it is almost even more work because, yeah. um, you know, people are investing their time in the book and their money in the book and they've got ideas, they have thoughts. And so you get great conversations. It's, it's just wonderful. Anyway, so a lot of time right now uh, in between jobs, using it as a chance to not only, you know, kind of get this book kicked off, but also uh, recharge myself and, and do some, some videos I've been doing recently on uh, the Big Data MBA video education class. I've been creating these five to six minute videos on each of my different infographics and posting them on YouTube so people can use these as a vehicle to learn more and more about the, the, the potential and the practice and the discipline of data and analytics. So, so Bill, um, I, I read parts of the book, excerpts of the book, right? So, uh, and then your LinkedIn title says Chief Data Monetization Officer. Oh, yeah. And then the book is about data monetization from however I, uh, long I remember, you are one of the few people uh, that have been preaching about the monetizing data aspect of it. So if you could, why don't you lay out the key principles of the book? Sure. So the, 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 
it just seems that, you know, I didn't start to fire. I just kind of stepped into it. The whole data monetization thing had been kind of brewing for a long time. And, and be honest with you for, at least for the, you know, the vast majority of my career in data and analytics, which is now nearly 40 years, you know, trying to attribute value to data has always been a challenge. And, and so um, I was very fortunate at the University of San Francisco about five years ago to launch a research project on trying to figure out the value of data. I had some uh, very smart students who, um, uh, research assistants who were very motivated, very smart, very free. And um, they, they launched into this. And um, the, the epiphany moment for me in that research project was when one of my research assistants came up to me and she said, Professor Schmarzo, you know, I had asked them to look at you know, the balance sheet and where would you put data on a balance sheet and how would you determine the value of data on a balance sheet? She goes, Professor Schmarzo, she goes, I can't find anything that resembles it on a balance sheet. She said, it's a really unusual asset. It doesn't deplete. It never wears out. And the same data set can be used across an unlimited number of use cases at a zero marginal cost. When she said zero marginal cost, I realized, oh my gosh, that's an economic multiplier effect. Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about this all wrong. I've been thinking about this from an accounting sort of value in exchange perspective where the value of the asset is determined by what someone's willing to pay you for it. Yeah. And I totally missed the value in use concept, the whole economics, the whole foundation of economics. And so, so to take a short question and make it long, the book is about not only about that journey, mm -hmm. but it's about everything that I've learned about how do you leverage economic concepts around data and analytics to drive data monetization. And what, when you read the book, you're going to quickly realize some really important factoids, at least beliefs in me. Number one, if you want to create value, you must engage with the business. Okay. Data scientists, data engineer, and IT organization by themselves cannot create value. They don't know what value is, right? How do you distinguish signal from noise in the data if you don't know what the sources of value are. So there's a, a lot of the book is focused in on the early parts about how do you have a value engineering conversation with the business that allows you to bring the business objectives, their key business initiatives together with the data science and analytic capabilities to really start driving that process. And then the rest of the book starts talking about from a very pragmatic perspective, the importance of a use case by use case incremental approach for how you build out your data and your analytics infrastructure, not the big bang approach that we've been used to in the past, but how you can incrementally, because one of the, one of the ahas for me on this journey mm -hmm. was this concept that the economies of learning are more powerful than the economies of scale. That when you go use case by use case, what you learn about your data and analytics in your first use case can yeah. accelerate time to value and de-risk your second use case and et cetera, et cetera. And you sort of see this whole compounding effect, which manifests itself in my 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 um, my capstone or my high point chapter is the chapter on the ec the Schmarzo economic digital asset valuation theory. Hmm. Right. So go into detail around all the economic aspects of it. I mean, you're touching upon all the key aspects of it. So one of it's managing the data, right? So, but the managing the data, it's not just IT job. You have to do it in combination with the business and then putting the value to the data. One of the things, again, you, your compatriot and the, the people uh, who respect you a lot, Doug Laney uh, also preaches the data monetization aspect. One thing that he mentioned, I wanted to run it by you, is that when he went to the finance people, when the accountant people to influence them to put 
data as a line item in the accounting books, right? Even, you know, going to the, as far as the CFAs, uh, the, their conferences, and that is the way to do it. But he has, he said it's not been successful, right? He's been, he's been doing it since 2000, 2001, along those lines. And um, I mean, how, how can you make it real, Bill? What you're so, talking about, you, you're, the student who came to you and said, Professor Shmazo, I don't see a line item. As right. long as there's no line item, it almost seems like it's not real. So I, the, the, I think we get ourselves wrapped around the axle trying to put this into the balance sheet. Okay. And the balance sheet, by the way, is an artificial tool anyway. Okay. And so what happens by the minute we have this accounting conversation, trying to put it on the balance sheet, we automatically limit our perspective, what we can do. And that's how I was thinking about it until this, my, my assistant said, no, it's, she really said it's an economic asset. The focus shouldn't be on putting it into the balance sheet. The I focus see. should be on how is the organization using, reusing, and sharing the data and analytics to drive value? How are we using it to reduce customer attrition? How are we using it to improve cross-sell? How are we using it to improve likelihood to recommend? How are we using it to improve predictive maintenance and reduce inventory? I mean, the use cases go on and on. And each one of those use cases has financial value. Maybe retention is a $20 million problem. Maybe inventory, excessive and obsolete inventory is a $35 million problem. Here's the beauty. Each of those problems are worth something from a business perspective. And each one of those problems can be addressed and optimized using data and analytics. The key phrase here is using. So when we throw off this accounting hat, this mindset that puts this blinders on us and we talked earlier before we kicked off about this. Sometimes we get so focused on outcomes, outcomes. that we miss the, the obvious facts right in front of us. And that was my problem. This was my unlearning moment. I was so fixated on putting data on the balance sheet that the answer was sitting right in front of me. And I was just too blinded to the accounting mentality to realize that my frame, how I was looking at this was wrong. Okay, so that actually leads me into the next question. Your title was Chief, Chief Data Monetization Officer on LinkedIn, okay? Yes, so fine. yes. And that is something that is coming into vogue nowadays in organizations. And we, you know and I know, there is something called a positional power, right? Yes, a, in yes. addition to personal power. So unless people in organizations have some positional power, it's difficult for them to influence things in organizations. Right, another guest we were talking to, she said, organizational development is a new thing that's coming up again and again from the CXO community, right? And then chief data officer, it's been there, but it, it, at times it seems like there's no teeth to, right? In the organizations oh. though, the business lines, whether it's a chief marketing officer, chief sales officer, chief product officer, they have, they will a lot more influence. So then how can you, Get, get influence to chief monetization, data monetization officer, so they can actually go do something in the organizations. So for one thing, to clarify one point, very, very few organizations have a chief data monetization officer. Agreed. They, they've got a chief data officer. Yeah. And as I talk to these chief data officers, most of them look like mini-me CIOs. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're just a CIO who is, the CIO is taking the data budget 
and dumped it on the, the, this chief data officer. Now they're managing the data budget. That's, <laughs> Right, they're just a mini me CIO, and I and I said that's and I talked to you. I said I said that's a like good one. Okay, interesting. Yeah, it's the totally wrong title. I said I don't want a chief data officer. I want a chief data monetization officer. I want somebody who's responsible for monetizing the data. And the idea that this person sits inside the IT organization is strike one. No, no, this way. person needs to sit at the, you know, it needs to report to the CEO or COO, it needs to cross the boundary. It needs to be the facilitator that brings together the technology and the business users. Yeah. You, you made a really interesting point about positional power. So first off, this person needs to be seen in the organization because they have to be this, they have to have the ability to step across the IT silos and the business silos. Yeah. The other thing it needs to do, if we think about the power of AI and monetizing data, because you know, data science and AI and ML, they're the monetization engines. They're the ones who are going to, those are the techniques and tools we're going to use to uncover the customer product and operational insights that are going to drive our use cases. The chief data monetization officer, I'm going to argue, and it's reflected in the book, by the way, mm -hmm. also must be focused on organizational empowerment. Yeah. My chapter nine in my book, I think is, is probably the chapter I'm most proud of. Because it was a chapter, as I was writing the book, wasn't originally in the plan. And then when I got to the end of the book, I realized, you know what? This book is about technology. And at the end of the day, technology in and of itself is insufficient. You need to also empower teams. You think about where AI is going to have the biggest impact. It's not going to have the biggest impact in a, a mahogany row at the puzzle palace. No, AI and ML is going to have impact at the front lines. Process the automation. Yeah, at the point of customer engagement and at the point of operationalization. Okay. And if you want to create through AI and ML analytic assets that are continuously learning and adapting to the environment around them, right through you know back propagation and deep learning and reinforcement, right? We can do that, but it's also critically important that you are also empowering your employees so that they can continuously learn and adapt as well. Because the challenge we have with AI models mm -hmm. is AI only knows what's in the data. Right? It can only optimize across that data. We need the humans to tell us what's outside of the data we need to be contemplating. They're the ones who need to be bringing forward the might moments because as an organization, if we don't have the might moments, we'll never have any breakthrough moments. Yeah. So I think the chief data, this chief data monetization officer, and this was probably reflected more accurately in my most recent role at Hitachi Vantar as a chief innovation officer, was that you have to have the the both the responsibility for monetizing the data using you know, data science and design thinking techniques to bring the business and IT together. But you also gotta use design thinking techniques to empower the front lines so that you have an organization, both technically and human-wise, that is continuously learning and adapting. Hmm. So Bill, actually that uh, you, you mentioned Hitachi Ventara and then actually uh, led me to think about your experience spans Pretty wide spectrum. I mean, uh, Hitachi was the latest. Yeah, I can't hold a job, can I? I just can't. No one. <laughs> and then you worked at Dell EMC, and that is when actually I met you. And then yep. uh, long time again, you were at Yahoo as well in, in different uh, areas. So, from your experience, can you tell us the organizations, uh, both aspects, one, who are doing well, uh, focusing on data, uh, trying to monetize data? So, what are the things that they're doing? Number one, the organizations that are lagging behind, what is that they're not doing? So if you can take us through what are the best practices 
so in a way to preach uh, somebody coming, let's say I'm running an organization. So what will you tell me that I should do based on experience of the best practice of what you have seen the good companies and what is what I should not do, what the bad companies are doing? Well, great question. So um, if, if we believe that data is the new oil, that in the same way that oil was the fuel that drove the economic growth in the 20th century, that in the 21st century, data will be that catalyst for economic growth. Mm -hmm. if, if we believe that, right? That's a big if, by the way. If you believe that data, because of all the product and customer and operational insights, propensities and tendencies buried in the data, if you believe that that is a new oil, then the single most important question an organization needs to ask itself at the senior most level of the organization is, this, how effective is your organization at leveraging data and analytics to power your business models? Mm -hmm. Single most important question you can ask. Now, when you ask most companies that question, especially at, this, at the executive level, yeah. they, have, they have no idea. You know, they, they look at you like you got lobsters crawling out of your ears, right? They, they have no idea. And so what I created um, probably seven years ago is this concept, this methodology, this approach called the big data business model maturity index yes I, remember that. I read that yeah yeah it is it represents the best practice if you want to become more effective if you want to exploit the economic potential of data and analytics to fuel your company's growth and address society problems then the big data business model maturity index not only tells you and benchmarks you how good you are versus best of best in industry but it also gives you a roadmap for how you navigate that both a technology roadmap and a human empowerment roadmap. So to me, the companies that are, that are best practices in this, mm -hmm. first off, they've elevated data and analytics to the senior most level in the business. They've mm -hmm. created somebody, a chief analytics officer or somebody in the organization who is chartered would drive a data and analytics. The other thing I would say is that the companies that I think are gonna have the most success with this are companies that are feverishly customer focused. Okay. And what I mean by that is that, it, that they realize that, that the sources of value creation for any organization comes from the customer engagement. And if you have a product centric organization, you're gonna struggle because it's like pushing a rope. But if you have a customer journey centric perspective, then you're gonna be able to work with customers to both identify the sources of value creation and also the impediments to value creation. I see. And data and analytics can help in both those areas. So to me, there's two parts of this. First is this big data business model maturity index tells you where you are and how you can become better. But overall, there needs to be this culture of, of understanding that the, that the only place that you can get value is from your customers because they're the only people who have ink in their pants, right? Who can sign things and buy stuff. So again, those are the two things that to me, come together for companies who really want to be successful in exploiting the economics of data and analytics. So then the, the contrary to that, the, the companies that don't do those, you know, at least focus on those two big ticket items are the ones they're not doing well. Oh, it, I mean, you can classically see it. You um, Companies that are focused on products, mm -hmm. right? we're going to make a product and we're going to put it out there and, and make it the customer's responsibility to get value out of the product. There's, there's an interesting trend happening across industries because of all the 
uh, cloud and open source technologies and such is that, you know, this as a service model, right, where organizations are providing, you know, um, service capabilities as a service. You don't buy a product, you buy a service and it's delivered yeah. through the web and such. And that is having a very interesting um, impact on organizations because it's forcing product organizations to become more customer centric. And the reason why it is, because as you go into an as a service business model, you the understanding and being able to codify your customer's behaviors becomes critical. Otherwise, you can't price it properly. And understanding the product performance behaviors and ramifications become critical because you can't construct SLAs appropriately. And if you can't get those two things right in this as a service model, you're going to price yourself right out of business. Actually, so you jacked jack my memory. I was uh, remembering Peter Drucker, who is the guru of uh, management consulting. You know, he wrote a classic um, article a long time ago. He said, the only purpose of a business, the only purpose is to create a customer. Yes. Nothing else. Right. right. So your, your customer focus, uh, the previous comment that you're mentioning, it's one of the two items that the organizations have to do to really you know, use data as a thing because your, your job is to create a customer. Everything else is secondary. We, companies that become product focused, they forget about understanding the entire customer journey. Yeah. One of the things that we do as part of, um, of the engagements I get involved with is we create what we call a customer journey map. And it's not just when the customer is interacting with our product or services. We want to know what the customer is doing prior to that. And what is their epiphany moment that brings them into our sphere? And then we want to know what to do afterwards, the sort of the, the um, afterglow effect. And so you're, you're exactly right. Drucker said it's, you know, you, our job is to make customers. Our job is to create customers. And our job is to keep customers. And the best way to make and find and keep customers is to understand that journey. What are they trying to accomplish? And then build the services and products that help them to, to realize that. And if you do that, if you have that very tight customer centricity focus, it becomes very easy to understand what are the sources of value from the customer's perspective, which is going to impact my pricing. And what are the impediments to value realization, which is going to impact my products and services. So it's just simple stuff, but we get fixated on building products yeah. and turning and transforming the, the onus of how to use the product it's shoved to the customer. And then we wonder why the customer is not getting value out of our product. Well, we build a product and they can't get any value from it. They must be idiots, right? Uh, wrong, right? They're not idiots. You're an idiot because you haven't thought through carefully what the customer's trying to do, what environment they're in, who they're trying to do it with, and what are all the impediments to that? Yeah, ex exactly. I think uh, as long as I know we use the word simple and we, at the same time, we also not simple is not so simple. Simple is complicated, right? But right. if you, if you get your simple things of what is that you're trying to do? Okay. You're creating a customer and then map the customer journey. And to do that, what kinds of analytics we need and data to support that. I think you will make your, your mind is not cluttered. Right. And you wouldn't see, I mean, how many products are out there? where the customer only uses 20% of its functionality, right? <laughs> so why the hell do you have the other 80%? And who, who built the other 80%? Exactly. Who thought that was a great idea? So you see this huge amount of waste in product development. Yeah. And, 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 and the product group complains to you know, the, the marketing group, hey, customers only use 20% of our product. Well, that's because they only want 20%. Only 20% has value to them. So guess what, folks? 
jettison the other 80%, which no one cares about, and it costs you a bunch of money, and take the money you saved in that 80% and focus it on making that 20% even more valuable to them. The customers are sending a message. They're talking to us every day, and we got our blinders on, right? We don't hear what they're saying because it doesn't fit our narrative. Damn it, stop being so internally focused. Listen to your customers, co-invent and co-create with your customers, and then you will build products that not only meet their requirements, yeah. but you won't waste time building shit that no one wants to use. Yep, exactly. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard today and would like to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite player like iTunes and Spotify. And please do rate our podcast. Also, please go to our website, www.datatransformerspodcast.com for more episodes, blogs, and information on our speakers. Thank you.